0: Friends, what follows is not for the faint of heart. We bring you tales of the paranormal, human wickedness, the curious, and the bizarre. Please, if you continue, proceed with caution and an open mind. We are the Queen City Creeps.
1: Welcome to Queen City Creeps, your new favorite podcast for all things true crime, paranormal, and just a little bit weird. Today, I am here with Shelby.
0: Hello. And
1: Jennifer. Hey. And of course, me, Sarah. And we are here to listen to a very interesting story, as told by Shelby, for his very first episode that he tells the story.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to start carrying this whole thing from here on out, right? That that you already do. Oh.
1: Pretty much.
0: Wow, that is that is a lot of pressure.
1: I know, <laughs> Sorry. no pressure at all. All
0: right, well, uh, we'll just jump in here with what I seem to understand we do at the start of these uh, an icebreaker question of some sort. Is that right? We need right? a, we need a better we... name for that. Yeah, we really do need to like focus group that because we've been talking about getting a better name for it since we first did it and went, "Wow, this is not a good name for this." Yeah, we should, yeah. Pro- we should probably get on that. If you have any suggestions for us, feel free to uh, send that out to us in the uh, in the social media stratosphere.
1: Oh yeah. We have a Facebook, we have an Instagram, we have a Gmail. I'll say it at the end. Let's be real.
0: Exactly. So for uh, for today's little icebreaker question, get to know the Queen City Creeps a little bit better question, whatever you want to call it. hmm What I'm wondering is, was there ever a circumstance where you got yourself in too deep and you couldn't couldn't feasibly get away from a situation that you'd put yourself in?
1: Okay, mine's not a good one, but I'll tell you. Go for it. So I had a baby a couple of years ago, right?
0: Wow. I like hope, two years
1: ago. I hope he doesn't <laughs> hear this. It's going to get super dark. <laughs> no. Yeah, I hope he doesn't fine. hear
0: this in a few years. It's like, what's the situation you got yourself into? Well, so, I had this baby. I had this baby. <laughs> this baby. So I was
1: home on maternity leave, and my kid would not sleep unless she was being held. Like, it's just that simple. And as a first-time mom, I was at home by myself a lot. Like, we don't have family that lives in town. So I would sit, and I would hang out with the baby, and I would watch TV, and it would be great. But I ran out of shows pretty pretty quickly like you do when you're watching tv so much and i realized that almost all of the seasons of keeping up with the kardashians were on hulu oh god so i tore through those so fast and of course it was like i guess right around the time that Caitlyn was transitioning yeah for those of you that don't know anything about the kardashians Caitlyn jenner used to be Bruce, uh, Jenner. Bruce Jenner, and has since transitioned into a woman, whatever. And I watched all of those things in on my maternity leave, like super, super fast. And then got into Bruce's slash Caitlyn's show about transitioning and what it means to be that. And I I formed very strong opinions about all of them and everything that's going on to the point that when I came back to work, I would actively defend the Kardashians (laughs) to other people. (laughs) Well, I remember whenever uh, Taylor Swift and Kanye and, and Kim, like, oh. had a beef. What about the receipts? And, like, I was totally on Taylor Swift's side. And you nope. were adamantly, like, for Kanye and I Kim. was not for Kanye. I was for Kim. And sure. there was a difference. Because she is a, a mogul. She is a PR mogul, and I respect that. That's true. Again, it comes out occasionally. I still have strong feelings. But... <laughs> I just know way too much about their lives now. You feel like you're a part of the family, really. I really, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've invested some time. And the sad thing is, is that my kid, to this day, if the Kardashians are on TV or she sees them, she will pay attention. And I think it might be because they look like giant Bratz dolls. (laughs) <laughs> but she, they, she soothed her. Like when she would start crying, I would turn it on and she would calm down. So I don't know what the deal is. I think I've ingrained her with something horrible, but.
0: <laughs> how, how does she react to Jersey Shore is the real question.
1: I've never watched Jersey Shore. Oh, I was more of a fantastic. Hills girl.
0: Oh, then okay.
1: Then never watched Laguna Beach, did watch the Hills. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm just not really, I, honestly, I am not a reality TV person for the most part. I love real, reality but TV. The Kardashians, man. The Kardashians—that's the closest thing to joining a cult I think I've ever. I I stopped myself when I was like, I really don't need Kylie's lipstick. I don't need that in my life. I I had it in my cart to buy
0: <laughs> to support. And I was like, really? Right.
1: I was like, I don't, I don't need this. I don't need this. So I, I stopped at that point. I cut it all off. So well,
0: it's for the best that you got out when you did. I. Think.
1: I know. I know. Things are going downhill. I mean, Kanye's tweeting like crazy. He's starting feuds with John Legend, which I don't want a part of because I love right. John Legend. Yeah. Christy Teigen and I are, you know, besties.
0: Right, and who's yeah. talking to John? John Legend. He seems
1: he's like he the sweetest nice. Arthur the Aardvark looking person I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. He's so cute, but
0: we're, we're gonna get nasty fan or nasty fan mail from uh, John Legend. Because you called him Arthur. He
1: evidently, according to the social medias, does not like being called Arthur the Aardvark, But his wife calls him that, so it's fine.
0: <laughs> well, okay. Yep. Good news there.
1: So the only thing that I could think of whenever you said this was whenever I got... I went into a deep dive after um, Leah Remini came out with her her documentary series on A&E about Scientology. Oh, my God, guys. <laughs> I watched so much of that. I, I, and I went on YouTube all the time just looking up different videos of people in their stories and what exactly happened to them and in Scientology when they were in it. Oh, my God. So, like, that's a cult, but I wasn't in it, which yeah, was is like, good. Were you actively pursuing the dream of Scientology? Like, did you get your, what is it, the Thadens? Mm-hmm. No, but I learned all about it oh. because I, I was not into Scientology, but I wanted to know all the shit about Scientology and those weirdos that practice it. Yeah. Sorry if anybody is a Scientologist, but like, it's weird. You should get out. You should get out now. We're calling it. You're in a cult. I, Call I, your dad.
0: I, I apologize to you for being a Scientologist. Way to go.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Way to pick a dumb religion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but if anybody hasn't seen this documentary series, it is awesome. I think it's won like a few Emmys actually. I haven't seen it. It's so good. It's so hmm. good. I mean, if you like that kind of stuff, like I like a lot of conspiracies and cult subject matter, I guess. Yeah. I just think it's like so crazy how it because, how people get into that stuff. Is it because you secretly grew up into in a cult? It. No. Are you sure? Do you, you don't remember? I am sure. I just don't remember a lot of things, just in general. <laughs> My life was just boring, guys.
0: Was before you joined Queen City creeps.
1: Right. Now, now it's we just, just sit in a basement and drink. So. It's just right. amazing. God.
0: Now it's all champagne and caviar and just tearing up hotel rooms. Like your life's pretty cool now.
1: Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. For
0: anyone out there listening that can't see us. That's absolutely what happens here whenever you're not, <laughs> yep. whenever you're not listening to us on Mondays. Obviously. So mine, um, I I had a friend for a while, and it was actually really a big group of friends that were all party people. Mm -hmm. And party people are great in your early 20s. They're Mm -hmm. they're just the best people in the world to hang out with because you own $15 worth of things, and if that $15 worth of things gets destroyed, you just don't drink for, I don't know, six hours and go buy $15 more of things (laughs) to to to. Add back to your home so you have somewhere to sit. Yeah. But the parties were always absolutely fucking insane, which was great at the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there was one friend who I didn't know at the time how much of a sleazebag he was, but he was kind of heading up a lot of this, it seemed like. He was always yeah. the one that was sending the, the big group messages like, Hey, everybody get together at this place, at this time, whatever, on this you know this day. Which was great until one fateful party... Where he, actually I saw him in person he was like, hey man, I'm getting ready to move into this super cool new house and we should party there before I move all my stuff in so that no one tears anything up. And I'm like, that's like a pretty solid plan. Sounds great. Let's do that. No idea how many people he's inviting or anything. It was usually like maybe 20 of us. I mean, it wasn't a huge, huge deal any time that it happened.
1: Like a core group of 20. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. There were about
0: 20 of us that just enjoyed getting fucked up in each other's presence. Yeah. So he gives me the address, and I end up going to his house, and it is this massive old house. So I and mean, it's not in great shape, but it's it's this huge house. And I'm like, does he have, does he have roommates? What's the deal here? Mm-hmm. And there's, like, four bedrooms upstairs. There's one downstairs, like, three bathrooms in this place. It was a massive place. And all of a sudden, there's, like, 70 people there. And I'm like, what? okay. The, the only piece of furniture in the entire house was, like, some lawn chairs and a table that was literally, like, Side to side liquor. I'm like, what
1: the shit?
0: This is going to be fun. <laughs> so we are mid party on our asses off, and I was on, there was kind of a landing on the staircase with a window, and I was standing there talking to somebody, you know, just drinking and chatting, and I looked out the window, and a cop had pulled up out front, and I'm like, oh crap, noise ordinance or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was probably 10 30 at night. I turned to the guy who's having this party, and I'm like, hey man, there's a cop outside, I want mean, to go talk to him. He goes, oh shit. What? He goes, run.
1: What? What? I was like,
0: what the fuck does run mean? He goes, this isn't my house.
1: Oh, shit.
0: So somebody else overheard this that was within the three square feet that we had had, Mm -hmm. that had 15 people in it for whatever reason. Yeah. Somebody overheard this and they're like, cops are here, run. So all of a sudden there are 70 people trying to get out of two doors in this house.
1: Jesus. Which
0: then turned into people coming out of windows and then coming out of second story windows, they figured out this was going on. So yeah. I, I managed to get out the back door before anybody else was, like, really crowding it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I'm hauling ass away from this house, watching the cops descend on it, and people are jumping out of second story windows.
1: Oh, my God. So they can
0: run. That was the whole idea. And that what was What the fuck? Yeah, that was about the time that I decided I didn't really want to hang out with those people anymore. Is that um, someone
1: I dated? Because you <laughs> hang out with people that I've dated.
0: I No, I... God, I hope not. <laughs> okay. I mean, some of the people keep dated for pieces of shit, but this guy <laughs> took the cake, so.
1: Wow. <laughs> yes.
0: But regardless, the, the only. Thanks, well, <laughs> Shelby. I'd call some lay a season. <laughs> but the only other time I ever talked to this guy was about three o'clock that morning. Well, the next morning, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just sitting on, my, sitting on my couch drinking a beer, just rattled about this entire experience and mad more than anything else. Yeah. I get a phone call, and it's him. I pick up, and just answered, dude, what the fuck? And he was just like, I just want to make, make sure you made it home okay. I hope you're not mad at me. And then just hung up. have not talked to him since then. What the fuck? Yeah. Fucking hmm. morons. Ugh. But anyway. So it wasn't so much a cult. Like, I could have left at any time, but like they kept buying me booze, so I stuck around for yeah. entirely too long and almost got arrested. So.
1: Jesus tits. That's super, nice.
0: Super, super exciting stuff.
1: Hmm.
0: anyway, speaking of cults. Yeah? Do you guys know the name Aleister Crowley? I do. Ah, well. What was he famous for? What was was his big claim to fame?
1: Supernatural bullshit and being really evil and stuff. Being a bad boy. (laughs) A bad boy? (laughs) He was a bad boy. (laughs) He was
0: the bad boy of Eastern religions. (laughs) I think we just
1: coined a new phrase.
0: It's not bad, actually. Well, and that's, that's kind of why I wanted to start off that way, because in his lifetime, I mean, he he was regarded as the wickedest man in the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Seems like a stretch, but, I mean...
1: There are way worse people.
0: Yeah, I mean, there were plenty, but a lot of people think that he was, you know, actually a Satanist, or that he really was taking part in any religion that actually existed. Mm-hmm. And that really wasn't the case. I mean, he, he did use religious symbolism in, or other religions' symbolism in what he did... Especially like the pentagram was the big one. Yeah. So everybody sees that, and automatically that's Satan. He really didn't have an interest in what was actually Satanism. He had his own thing going on. Yeah. So to label him as an evil person, well, maybe. But he was also doing what anybody with a religion does, trying to get to where they want to be in life by using whatever means necessary. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of why I wanted to start it off that way, just to see, you know, those preconceived notions of who this guy was. Sure, dirtbag. But just to just to give a little backstory, he was born in 1875, uh, and his legal name was Edward Alexander Crowley. Uh, he was born in a, a really small town called Royal Leamington Spa, because Great is that Britain,
1: England, yeah. No,
0: oh, of course it is.
1: Leamington <laughs> oh, cool. Spa.
0: And uh, he was. <laughs> I love it. His his parents were members of well, an exclusive branch of the Plymouth Brethren, which was an offshoot of the Fundamentalist Group that believed that members shouldn't mix with anyone from outside of their group. Oh. Real, real mm. Fundamentalist shit. Yeah. Um, which may have played a part in later life, obviously.
1: His love of mixing.
0: <laughs> he did love
1: mixing. <laughs> so, so much. <laughs>
0: But they're they were actually really well off. Like their their fortune actually came from the alcohol trade.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: had a uh, a brew called Crowley's Alden Ale, which was like one of the most popular brews made in that time.
1: But if they were fundamentalist Christians, yeah.
0: Fun thing about that, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Hm.
0: F- fundamentals get a little a uh, little, little lo- loosey goosey whenever you have uh, <laughs> money you have booze money involved.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: But his father actually did sell off his share of that and he ended up investing a lot of it. So he had a ton of money by the time that Crowley was coming of age. Mm-hmm. So that kind of was what gave him the ability to pursue the lifestyle that he did, which most most people would describe as hedonistic, yeah just seeking pleasure in any way, shape, or form, which is really easy when you have a, a boatload of family money to work with, Yeah, or easier at least so his father was a really devout guy he was a preacher i mean he he traveled and preached Mm -hmm. because that's what you did back then you know you sell off all your booze assets so you can go tell people (laughs) to stop drinking because at that point it doesn't really affect you anymore and he ended up sending his son to a christian boarding school uh, that crowley claimed was ran by a man who he diagnosed as a as a sadist yeah. You know, it's a boarding school in the 1880s. Or in the most 18... of
1: them were run by sadists, let's be speak Generally well. speaking. True. Yeah. Know. I've seen You've Oliver seen some Twist, movies. <laughs> David Copperfield, some shit.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> but then whenever his dad, his dad ended up dying of cancer in 1886, which would have put him at 11 years old, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that kind of it it messed with his head a little bit i think cuz i mean for all the failings that his dad had to him he was he was his hero yeah i mean it's kind of the way he described it anyway so it was about this time and of course he was a teenager anyway so who knows what he was going to be doing anyway whether his father was there or not but he started kind of rebelling against what his family deemed as the boundaries of morality or whatever mm-hmm. the case might be cuz he's a teenager yeah, I mean that's that's literally all I did for like seven years, so I I can relate. And my dad's <laughs> alive, so. But but he started doing things like pointing out inconsistencies in Bible verses and smoking and associating with what is described in my articles as loose women.
1: I love loose women.
0: Man, me too.
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> Jennifer, do you want to add something to that? I don't even know. <laughs>
0: So I felt like that was a long pause, but I was just thinking about loose women. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. So he ended up uh, leaving to study at Trinity College in Cambridge, and that's actually where he adopted the name Alistair, because he didn't like being. His mom had called him Alec his entire life, and he did not like that.
1: Who at would all. like Alec? What, Alec besides Alec Baldwin. Baldwin?
0: Well, it, also it's it's the way it's spelled in what I've read was A L I C K. No, oh, that's Very, stupid. No. Yeah, so Alistair it was. Uh, which, again, sounds like a really creepy, scary name now. I love it. But I think it. it's just because of him, really. Alistair. Ooh. <laughs> but during that period, he discovered that he was bisexual because he was in college, and that's what we all did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You, you had, had a girl ask a you to while. poop on her chest one time.
0: That's not the other sexual, though.
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> I'm <just> valid. <laughs> I'm just saying that's just we weird all, stuff. We all experiment in college, is what I'm saying. Okay,
0: I, I was like, Some wasn't... people
1: experiment with the opposite sex. Some people experiment with fecal matter. So what ifs? Well, fun fact. No judgment.
0: He did all of it. Oh. That's, that's a good portion of his fame, really. Fecal matter? Uh, well.
1: Weird shit. Gotcha. Continue.
0: <laughs> weird shit. <laughs> uh, but even though he had discovered that he was kind of into dudes, he was also visiting prostitutes, like, a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Like, Family ha-
1: money became a problem a lot.
0: Well, family money was a problem from day one with him, I think. But, oh. but obviously he was like, "Well, I could talk to women, or I could pay women."
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: Yikes. If, we'll we we'll probably post a picture of this guy. He
1: did he sh- need to pay women?
0: He shouldn't be talking to women.
1: Oh, so Maybe. he was not sexy, Sarah.
0: He, he looks like Groove from uh, Despicable Me. Oh, honestly. that's unfortunate. Yeah. The biggest thing at the university was that he, he discovered the occult at that mm-hmm. point. Because you've got access to so much literature and everything else, you're bound to dive down that path. I mean, m- myself, I've read a ton of theology and landed on atheism, which yeah. seemed like the most logical conclusion to me. But if you're faced with all these different religious texts, you may have the choice of, there's nothing, or I can sample parts of every one of these. And that's kind of what he started doing. I'm
1: going to make my own.
0: But he ended up leaving Cambridge without graduating. He actually did really well while he was there, but uh, he, he had decided at that point that it wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. So the next month, he met a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which is a badass name.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> what does um, hermetic mean? I don't
0: know. That's a good question, actually. I'm not sure.
1: We'll post it on social media.
0: Right. We'll, we'll find a definition and post it out there. Yeah. But uh, he was actually mountaineering in the Alps. This guy, he he loved rock climbing or, you know, hiking, whatever. Yeah. He, he liked climbing things. We'll go with that. Ma- <laughs> mountain, Mountains. Mountaineering.
1: Mountains. Tall sure. women.
0: So So he met this guy, and I guess they must have chatted it up while they were on the mountain. And mm-hmm. he went, oh, wow, this makes perfect sense. This is where I need to be. So whenever he came back to London, he was actually initiated into this order, and they gave him the the magical name, which makes you laugh anyway, <laughs> of Perderabo. And I know I didn't pronounce that right, but I'm I'm going off phonetics here. Yeah. Uh which means I shall endure till the end.
1: Aw. All right.
0: It's badass. They're good I like at, it. they're good at naming things around there.
1: I'm gonna name a puppy that someday. Perderabo. Yep. And That's call not,
0: him Bobo. I mean, you already have Crowley at home. So I do well. already have a
1: cat named Crowley. That's true. Exactly. True.
0: So the golden the golden dawn believed that they were there were supremely powerful spiritual entities known as the secret chiefs. They could be contacted by those who had sufficient occult development. The idea of a world behind a world just got Crowley going. Like mm-hmm. he was super into the idea, and he rose through the ranks of that order extremely quickly at that point because he was extremely dedicated to what they were doing, and. That did lead to some animosity, of course, because, you know, you get a job and then you start just blowing through the ranks. People are going to get a little weird with you about it. That's true. And uh it didn't really help anything that he had this ridiculously hedonistic lifestyle that he was still pursuing. And at the time, I mean, homosexuality was a crime. Yeah, and, yeah, for sure. And he wasn't really quiet about it. yeah. Um, not like you could hear him in the next room. Not quiet about it, but like he wasn't.
1: <laughs> he was shouting at right. I love dudes. <laughs> I,
0: I love men. <laughs> Probably not quite like that, but uh, but a lot of the guys that were in this in this order, because of course it's all men at the time. Of course, um, they they saw it as more of a, a scholastic pursuit. They they wanted to be there to learn and to study and to you know get closer with God. Basically, it was the idea. He wasn't really doing that. That I, wasn't his interest.
1: I'm not going to lie, when you said it, they saw it as a scholastic pursuit, I thought you meant him boning dudes was a scholastic <laughs> I pursuit. I kind of thought that too, to Like honest. I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> like, like, they're sitting
0: in the corner taking notes. <laughs> yeah. Like, so that's where it goes. I've been that's a good about angle. That. Yeah. So he, he got a little shysty about how he was rising through the ranks. Hmm. And, and the order in London basically refused to let him go to the next rank. Yeah. They weren't having it. So he ended up going directly to Paris and visited Samuel Liddell McGregor Mathers. Shoo. The leader of the order. <laughs> this Why is do the they g- have
1: to have a thousand names? Like, just stop it. That's only four. That's because they have a million that's kids. A lot. So you have to, like, differentiate between all of them. right. That, right that's right. actually
0: fair as well. But, but uh, Samuel Mathers, I'll shorten it down for everybody. Thank you. Was, Sammy. <laughs> old Sammy Mathers <laughs> was actually the leader of the order. Like, the the whole thing was headquartered in Paris, but it had these offshoots that uh-huh. the London one happened to be one of them. So he went and visited uh, Samuel Mathers to get initiated into this next rank. They, again, the, the Golden Dawn in London did not like that at all. Because it was like, the, he went behind their backs to do this. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of animosity building up at this point. So to take a little detour here, this is actually the same time that he bought the Bolskine. Bolskine. Bolskine House, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically right on the the coast of Loch Ness. Um, the whole idea of buying this house was to seclude himself and try to perform these magical tasks from the Book of Sacred Magic of Abramelin the Mage, uh, which uh, Samuel Mathers actually had translated to current accounts not very well. Yeah. They're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it wasn't really right, but, you know. (laughs) It's close enough. Yeah, it's close enough to get some demons out of it or whatever. Yeah. So, um, and according to Crowley, he wrote a book. He wrote a bunch of books, but The Confessions of Aleister Crowley. In order to perform the operations, the first essential is a house in a more or less secluded situation. And according to legend, it's this house is actually built atop the ruins of a 10th century church that burnt to the ground during a service, killing all the congregants inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's so
1: probably haunted <laughs> AF.
0: Yeah, that's a double whammy. Like he probably handed him a few a few extra dollars, just like hey, tell the ghost stick around.
1: <laughs> right, like, I want to keep you over.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> So, it it's actually, it, all of this happened, and then it also looks over the Bolskin Cemetery, which is at the foot of the hill, uh, a little bit farther down. And there's been all kinds of occult stuff that's gone on there for, I mean, hundreds of years prior to him actually purchasing this place, just because of the land that it sits on. But the whole intent of the ritual was to invoke one's guardian angel which requires 6 months of preparation which includes celibacy and abstinence from alcohol both things he's not good at. That
1: was a hell of a time. <laughs> right. He <laughs> it was a real crabby. That, that
0: was a really boring time for him I assume. But it it also includes the summoning of the 12 kings and dukes of hell and basically what you're doing then is binding them and removing them of the negative the negative influences they have over your life. So you got yes. so you have 13 different independent spirits that you're trying to summon with this one ritual that takes six months of preparation to do and you have to buy your own house to do it in right so this that's is an
1: investment <laughs> that
0: is it's an investment w- and an infestation yeah like it's it's a little <laughs> bit. but while he was in the process of doing this ritual which i don't know at what stage in that six months mm-hmm. or or if it was after the six months was up and he started performing the actual ritual he
1: was like i think in the middle of the ritual.
0: <laughs> like he was like just he was in literally the
1: middle of it they called him yeah
0: right he got a he got a telegraph or whatever and he a was pigeon. like oh sorry guys i got to go He and, got a pigeon <laughs> right exactly peace
1: out kings <laughs> peace out dukes
0: but he was he was actually called to paris by mathers again um and he never banished the demons he'd summoned so cool. there have been weird things happening there since then really mm-hmm. well great um Crowley himself never really admitted that he made a mistake, but he did say that the stuff he'd done at the Bolskian house had gotten out of hand.
1: <laughs> so basically, he scared the shit out of himself, and he pieced out. I was like, oh, "I'm gonna go back to Paris. Right. Bye." Oh,
0: what's that, Sam? You need me over in Paris? All right, I'll be. I'll be right there, Sammy. <laughs> Actually, Sammy. What, what's that, Sammy?
1: It's a double Sammy.
0: So, as far as some of the weird occurrences there, which we're not going to dive really deep into Bolskian because that's a whole separate, probably a whole separate episode, really. Mm. But uh, Crowley's housekeeper had a 10-year-old daughter and a 1-year-old son that both died mysteriously and abruptly, which, time period, who's to say what, the, what might have caused that, really? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and vote demons, but I don't know. I
1: think <laughs> kings of hell, definitely. Right, is. the kings
0: and dukes of hell, probably. Yeah. Uh, and he actually bragged that one of the employees of the estate that had been off of alcohol for a number of years got drunk and attempted to murder his entire family.
1: I'm glad he bragged about that. <laughs> right, that one.
0: So maybe job, he, guys. So maybe yeah. he is a little bit more of a dirtbag than I gave him credit for at yeah. the start of this episode. But still, that that's one of the worst things in that's, this entire ugh. booklet of things, I think. So, Dang it, Allie. <laughs> oh,
1: Allie. <laughs> Sammy and Allie. Best friends Best life. friends
0: forever. <laughs> so he went back to Paris to see Samuel Mathers again. Mm-hmm. And they, at that point, attempted to get the London order of the Hermetic Dawn evicted from their from their clubhouse. What? Yeah, he like <laughs> he went back to Paris just to dick with the people that wouldn't initiate him in the next rank.
1: Oh Jesus! Ah.
0: And so the court ends up ruling that since the rent was actually paid by the people in London, huh? Sucks to be you. They're they're the legal tenants of this place. You can you can go fuck off elsewhere.
1: Yeah. Go back to Paris.
0: So as a result of this, in nineteen hundred, Crowley and Mathers were forced out of the order. Keep in mind Mathers started this thing. <laughs> Jesus. And then decided to be enough of a dick that everybody was just like, Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> we are done with this.
1: That's great.
0: Yep. So after after all that went down, he ended up fleeing to Paris because apparently there were some people who didn't like him very much at that point, you'll mm-hmm. figure. Uh, he tried to evict a bunch of very rich people who happened to be in a secret order. So Who already
1: would... didn't like him.
0: Right. Step one was not great. Steps two through six were a really bad idea. Yeah. But anyway, he, he fled to Paris, and then he ended up fleeing to the Americas. So he was actually in Mexico for a period of time. Nice. And uh, he... Just on
1: vacation, you know.
0: He, he was a rich guy who was running yep. from people who wanted to murder yeah. him. I mean, he can go wherever he wants at this point. He chose to go around the world in one direction, though, which is funny to me. He, he, like, starts in Mexico, and then he keeps going in, like, San Francisco, and then over oh. to Japan and China. Like, he, he went in the correct order, I guess.
1: Huh. <laughs> if you were going to choose an order, right. you would go the correct way.
0: <laughs> so while he was there, he decided it was time to start another order, mm-hmm. because he was, he was probably still kind of sore about getting, being kicked out of his old clubhouse or whatever, so it was time to time to jump back in there. And it was called The Lamp of the Invisible Light.
1: Uh, Okay. Lamp of the invisible light. The
0: lamp of the invisible light.
1: Ooh. Or just a lamp that doesn't work. It <laughs> would be a broken lamp. You're it's right. a broken the lamp. The order of the broken lamp doesn't sound as good. It though. doesn't, but it's accurate. Probably. I
0: actually like it better. <laughs> the, the order of the golden light just sounds very really pretentious. But <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: The, the order of the broken lamp is like, nah, it's relatable.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> I have like six of those in this house.
1: Wah, wah, wah.
0: So he. Uh, th- this next section, honestly, trying to read it is exhausting. But I'm going to do my best he learned to wield the all-encircling chain of the Great Brotherhood and the Sword of Flaming Light.
1: Oh, God.
0: Exhausting. Killing the serpent that had started the downfall of Christ while taming good and evil bulls, sewing dragon's teeth, and acquiring the Golden Fleece.
1: (laughs) No. Wait, the Golden Fleece? Yeah. So he's, like, bringing in, like, Greek mythology
0: to all this shit. He's going all out, man. It's surprising he wasn't looking for the Fountain of Youth. Yeah.
1: Maybe that's what he was doing in South right. America.
0: It's funny, though, because I, I read The Golden Fleece, and I'm like, wow, finally something in this paragraph, I understand what it is.
1: Sewing the dragon's teeth, yeah, looking I, for The Golden Fleece.
0: I am super lost as to what any of this was, honestly. Yeah. And I'd already done the research enough where I was like, I'm not even diving any deeper into this paragraph, so it's really not important.
1: <laughs> this, this was
0: him in Mexico for, like, maybe a year. But he was all about his laundry list of things he wanted to get done while he was there, which included, you know, getting a hold of the Sword of Flaming Light or whatever.
1: Huh. Sounds like a Game of Thrones reference.
0: Right. So while he was writing the self-initiation ceremonies for this new order, he discovered how to make himself invisible.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> You heard me. (laughs) Okay. Don't act shocked, Jaybo.
0: Apparently, it's
1: pretty easy
0: once you know the tricks. According to one of his books. Uh, (laughs)
1: Otherwise, everyone would be doing it.
0: Right. Right. You just got. You just have to know. Well, you have to buy his book.
1: Right. Uh, (laughs) That's how he gets fucking rich. That's how cults work. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right.
0: You always have to buy the book.
1: (laughs) That's how Scientology works, guys. They they have you buy all the books, all of them. (laughs) And they always come out with a new edition. So you have to constantly be buying these motherfucking books. This sounds like college. I was
0: just like, you know, this sounds like college. Right? It does. <laughs> oh, no. Is college a cult? I had no Probably. idea.
1: Shelby, you have the highest degree in this cult. <laughs> That's true.
0: I'm, I'm actually the highest ranked, yes. <laughs> so he says that it doesn't have anything to do with actually making yourself invisible, but it's controlling everyone else around you and making them completely uninterested in making eye contact with you. <laughs> Or noticing you in any way.
1: Well, that that helps that he's really ugly, then. I'm sure people don't want to look at him.
0: Dude, it gets worse. Oh, um, yes. So, he says that once he figured out how to do it, which he could gauge by his faintness and his own reflection, he could don his red robes and golden crown and walk the streets of Mexico where no one would ever make eye contact with him or initiate a conversation. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I bet not.
0: Yeah, I read this and I'm like, no shit. <laughs> I wouldn't talk to the weird guy in the red robe and the crown. No. <laughs> I'm good, thanks. But yeah, so he made himself invisible. Apparently. Right. like yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a pretty talented guy, apparently. So then he left Mexico. He headed for San Francisco. So getting a little close to home here. Yeah. And then he went to Hawaii, like any rich person who's got a laundry list place he wants to visit on his weird 80-day 80, 80 trip around the world or whatever he's <laughs> doing.
1: Phineas Fogg Um, here.
0: Right, exactly. Hoping to
1: join a Satanist cult.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So he continued west. He passed through Japan and China, and then he ended up in Sri Lanka and kept going west. So he ends up basically in India is the biggest part of it. Mm -hmm. The biggest part of his his big day out or whatever. Um, So he ends up contracting malaria in India, which is partially why he has to stay there as long as he does. But he started studying yoga, which... Like you do, you know. Yeah, when, if, when in India. Yeah, when in Rome, get bendy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he took part in an unsuccessful attempt to climb K two because he was a mountaineer, but also I think he still had malaria. So,
1: <laughs> right? Maybe I not. I can't imagine. No.
0: Yeah, it probably wasn't the best choice. But anyway, he then and well, while he was there, he also got into things like tantra, which we'll get into a lot more later. With yeah, the, we will with the with the rest of his. Of his sexy, sexy magic that he does.
1: <laughs> Justin's going to hate this episode, by the way. What? With all because this the word sexy, sexy magic.
0: It's, it's going to get so much worse, too. <laughs> so, finally, he leaves India. He goes back to Europe, where he ends up back in Paris for six months, and then goes back to Britain. Because I'm assuming by now, there's been enough time that's passed that maybe the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn doesn't...
1: Don't give a shit Doesn't anymore. like him as much, or doesn't yeah.
0: dislike him as much as they did previously. Hmm. So, while he was there, or while he, whenever he came back to Britain, he ended up eloping with Rose Edith Kelly, which was the sister of his friend who was a painter named sure. Gerald Festus Kelly. You might be familiar with his stuff.
1: If you were friends with Aleister Crowley, would you let your sister date him?
0: I mean, if you're friends with him, you probably like the guy.
1: I No, That's I true. have friends that I would not let my siblings date. Are you kidding me?
0: Mm-hmm. Eh. Well, so the whole thing, this was really a marriage of convenience. She was actually in an arranged marriage. Well, not mm-hmm. in one yet, but she had the arrangement, and this was her way out of that. Gotcha. But he ended up falling in love with her because, you know, you spend, enough, you spend enough time with somebody. That's just how it works.
1: That's why I love J-Bo so much. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It makes sense.
0: And he ended up finally getting her to kind of love him back.
1: Aw. You know,
0: real slow, obviously.
1: Sure, <laughs> well, he's but. got all this, you know, tantric experience from India. Right,
0: you think she'd be real into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they end up traveling to Egypt, where that that's where he really found, like, religion, religion. Where it wasn't like this, you know, the Brotherhood of the Sword or whatever. You know, uh-huh. the, these weird little organizations that are basically just, like, really fancy shriners.
1: Brotherhood of the Sword <laughs> sounds so dirty. <laughs> I think it's because you have a dirty mind. Like, I do have a dirty mind. I actually
0: didn't even think of that when I said it, so I think it's just you, actually. Damn it. It is. So anyway, while they were in Egypt, um, she had... A fever. Rose had developed a fever, mm-hmm. and she told him they're waiting for you, while she was just out of her head. And then she led him to various exhibits in an, in a museum on these Egyptian gods. So he starts thinking she's tuned into something, and then at that point he starts hearing voices. Because, you know, obviously your wife's into it, you get into it too. Yeah, you can't spend that much time with somebody without being like, well, if you're interested in it. I guess I'll also I'll, he, I'll also hear Egyptian voices. That's fine. And <laughs> that's like
1: me and WWE. <laughs> it's true. I hate it. But like he likes it, so I have to like it. Right. I hate it.
0: I mean, I don't know if we can really compare that to hearing an- I mean, an- ancient true. Egyptian disembodied voices. I'm just saying. No, I see your it's point. It's
1: super actually. similar, J though. So similar. I
0: asked the wrong icebreaker question, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So, he started hearing this entity that was named Iwas, and that was the big start for him, I think, where his career as Aleister Crowley, the occultist, really took off. hmm So, he also studied something, or studied slash developed something called numerology that I'm not going to get into, because it is a big pain in the ass to even read, let alone try to explain. Yeah. But I was in numerology was a 78, which was important because according to Samuel Mathers, that was actually the number of mesla, which was defined as a ray, which would allow the otherworldly and the divine to appear to those chosen as messengers. So that's a big deal at that point because that's where Crowley gets to start writing because, oh, because he's got Iwas communicating with him through this ray of light. Right. So, he identified Iwas as the minister of hor who Crowley uh-huh. identified as the infant Horus, an Egyptian god. Uh-huh. And Horus, as, a, as an infant, is typically de- depicted sucking on a finger, which is a gesture of silence. So, uh-huh. he actually spoke through Iwas to Crowley, was what Crowley believed in all this. So, huh. according to Crowley, was appeared to him in Cairo at a time that had been specified by his wife during a trance-like state, and he only had an hour to speak because they're really busy gods.
1: Yeah, they got shit to do.
0: Right, exactly. But he, while they were speaking, he described him as a 30-something man, tall, dark, and giving off an aura of angelic strength and power in spite of his near transparency.
1: So, how Crowley sees himself when he's pretending to be invisible?
0: Largely, I think. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So, under the influence of speaking with Iwas, uh Crowley wrote the Book of the Law, which is the big one for him. I mean that's that's the one that most people who are studying Crowley are interested in Crowley. That's the big one because it was the start of the Thelematic the Thelematic, sure. Mm-hmm. Religion. Um and at first he kind of ignored what he, he ignored parts of what the voices were saying, like you do in any religion. Really, yeah. which wanted him to like steal some of the artifacts that told him to do this in the first place. Yeah. He was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that part. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's but, a good choice. Right. But let's talk about the rest of this. I, so at that point, he ends up having a daughter with his. Edith. With, yeah, Rose. Um, Or I'm sorry, daughter's name is Rose, mm-hmm. who ended up dying of typhoid. Aww. And I, I honestly don't really know what happened to Edith. Like that doesn't really get into a lot of that. Hmm. But he he finds others. So yeah. presumably they're either divorced or she's not worried about him. Yeah. But his uh, because of this denying taking away these artifacts and stuff. From what I understand, he kind of stopped hearing the voices because they were mad at him or whatever. They weren't they weren't yeah. speaking at the time.
1: Oh.
0: But it didn't really get denied for very long. He actually had several more visions and wrote several more holy texts at that point and named the religion Thelema at that point, from the ancient Greek word for will, which was a central concept of, of the Thelematic religion, the primary commandment of this entire thing was, do what thou wilt, shall be the whole of the law. So a lot of people think that's interpreted to mean anarchy or hedonism or whatever the case might be. Hmm. But it's really more saying, follow your true will or your divine purpose.
1: Hmm. That's not the worst thing I've ever heard.
0: Right. And at its surface level, this sounds like a pretty cool religion, honestly. It's, it's just like, hey, do what you're gonna do. It's a lot like the tenets of Satanism, which are basically do whatever you want to do, just don't fuck with anyone else. Yeah,
1: carpy that fucking Diem.
0: Exactly, Carpe the shit out of the Diem <laughs> and do what thou wilt. Yeah. So it does have ties to the tenets of Satanism to a certain extent, just because of that one line more than anything else. Mm-hmm. The, the really strange part about this, the Thelema meaning will and agape, I think is how you would say that, mm-hmm. which means love. The whole idea of it is that the act of through the act of love, people lose their sense of being alone and open the door to whatever it is they're supposed to achieve on earth. So the idea of being a social creature kind of comes into this at that point. It's also stated there's no such thing as original sin and that every man is a divine being. So what they had as far as their virtues weren't really, like, Christian virtues. They weren't, like, modesty and charity mm-hmm. or anything like that, but things like courage and honor.
1: You guys, I think I might be a follower of Crowley just so we're all aware. I
0: actually wondered about it whenever I started reading through this the first time. But <laughs> So it, the whole thing was it was about balance. Um, so in order to truly embrace everything that is, there needs to be a balance within a person. So there needs to be logic to balance emotion, wisdom to balance intelligence, and so on. Mm-hmm. Again, doesn't sound all bad yet.
1: No. this I could get behind this.
0: <laughs> right. The religion of Thelema is actually the, the relationship with God and all this is extremely dangerous in any other religion, mm-hmm. because the idea of it is that there's a couple of different stages of man's relationship with God. So they reject the idea of faith in a God, instead standing beside God. So at that point they're kind of as equal. Yeah. Hmm. And then, at that point, you can then come to realize that they are God. You are God.
1: Oh. We are God. We are God. I am the walrus.
0: I am God. You are God. You are God.
1: <laughs> and you get a car. And you get <laughs> Right, <a car>. exactly. <laughs> it's Oprah, really. And,
0: and you get a religion. And you get a religion. <laughs> so that was, again, that could be, if that went the wrong way, that could get real messy. Yeah. Real fast. Mm-hmm. So then in the book of the Goetia of Solomon the King, uh, that was a book that he had assembled and published in 1904, which around the time he was doing the Book of the Law. It was used to summon all sorts of demons, devils and demons, which was like 72 of them. Any horror movie you've ever seen where they pull out this like, necronomicon of yeah. different demons, that's basically what they're referencing.
1: So he's got 72, and then he's got the 12 Kings of Hell...
0: Right, there's a lot of players in this.
1: That's story. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right. Get your life together, old well, Crowley. Well,
0: and he didn't actually write this book. He just oh. he basically did the most definitive translation of this book. Okay. Oh, okay. So, every there were several other authors that had tried to translate this thing and I guess he wasn't satisfied with those, so he went back in and suited it to his will, but this is the <sighs> one that everybody knows. Yeah. Is is his version of it. So, Again, kind of in that horror movie sense, along with this book, is instru- with the instructions how to summon the demons, there's a description of who they are, the forms they take, and what they have power over. And then he also includes a rational explanation for why the summoning works, because why not explain it while you're translating, I guess? Yeah. Because he knows the author's original intent. Of course. So according to Crowley, magical phenomena are made up of six things, which are touch, taste, smell, sight, sound, and the mind. So... We know five of those pretty well. Like
1: the Infinity Stones.
0: <laughs> it is much like the yeah. Infinity Stones. But the first five, depending on how they're stimulated, cause changes in the brain which are then manifested as magical results. So once the mind processes what it's receiving from the senses, it projects the results back into the physical world, which means that the demons and devils come out of your mind, or the mind of whoever's conjuring them.
1: Nope. Don't like okay. that. Okay.
0: Like I don't th- I think they have to co- getting, like come out of a hole or anything, but I, they're going
1: to pop out of your eye socket.
0: Basically, they're a manifestation of your own mind, which is a pretty dramatic thing to say in, in any religious text at the yeah. time, mm-hmm. because you're saying that the power is within, I am God, and anything that I put out in the world is my own creation. It's huh. it's actually pretty advanced at the time for, for what it was.
1: Well, I mean, it takes, whereas a lot of religions kind of take the pressure off of you, like, you have free will, but, you know, you don't have any control over what it is out there. Like, this is all you. Like, you did everything.
0: Right, and so. it's, it's nice in that regard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually a really advanced way of thinking about it, but it also means that any evil you put into the world is
1: you. It's all you. Yeah. Any good yeah. or
0: any evil is just you manifesting it. So that mm. that takes on a different, different feeling at that point yeah. to me. So the whole idea with this was that certain demons controlled certain things so there are these signs seals and names all associated with these individual demons and the names of these demons basically were like vibrations that would stimulate the part of your brain that you kind of needed to access to accomplish whatever goal it was that you wanted to do at the time so if you're looking to summon a demon's going to help with math homework <laughs> it's a dumb it's a dumb idea but is you know, there whatever. a
1: demon to help with math
0: i guarantee there is I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that... Uh,
1: math is made from demons. Right, so. exactly. Math is made from demons. I'm, I'm you sure know this, Sarah. I know this better than most. I'm pretty yeah. sure
0: Isaac Newton was a demon because I've done calculus <laughs> and that shit isn't from this fucking planet. Exactly. There's no goddamn way. <laughs> so anyway, you would you would end up using sights and smells that stimulate the logic part of your brain so that you could access the ability to do your math
1: mm-hmm.
0: while saying words that also stimulate the same part. So this whole thing is kind of in this manual of demons. I of, see, and and people do the same thing with like the healing crystals and stuff. Like it's the same yeah. principle. Yeah, it's just a way to unlock the part of you that you need to get to to do whatever it is you want to do. But anyway, so in 1907, uh, he was in cooperation with another Golden Dawn member, ex ex Golden Dawn member named George Cecil Jones, and he founded another new order to spread his religion. So we're getting back to kind of the the large gatherings of white men at this point.
1: Yeah. So not um, the broken lamp one.
0: Yeah, this is no longer the broken lamp, the, the cult it. of the broken lamp. I know. He's that, moving on. Yeah, I think that one he ended in... He fixed that lamp. I think that one ended in Mexico. I don't think he oh, ever really okay. did that after he left Mexico.
1: Yeah.
0: And he called it, and again, I don't know how to pronounce this because it's just a series of letters and symbols. Uh, we'll a, put it
1: on social media.
0: It's A and then like a carrot, A, and a <laughs> carrot. <laughs> it's like the print symbol. I don't know what the hell this guy oh, was doing. Right. Oh, Yeah. But anyway, uh, at first, so there was another group called the Ordo Templi Orientalis, uh, which was the Order of Eastern Templars. Okay, you've heard like the Knights of Templar and everything else, so it's it's really similar to that, from what I understand of it. But there was a big issue with them over claims from their uh, from their leader named Theodore Russ that Crowley had stolen some elements of his philosophy from them, Mm -hmm. and then he kind of like spun it because he's obviously good at that. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, he kind of made it into an alliance when he convinced them that similarities were because they were right. It's like, this was due to similar insights, not because I took them from you.
1: It's because you are 100% accurate. Right,
0: exactly. We're both on the same track, man. We should pair up. Yeah. And that's basically how it went. I mean, they became allies and friends, and he ended up uh, becoming the head of the OTO, which is the, the Ordo Templi Orientalis, in Britain at this point. And then, after the outbreak of World War One, he ended up moving to America temporarily, mm-hmm. for you know obvious reasons. And this is about the time that we get into his most crowning achievement, which was sex magic. Yeah.
1: Sex magic, oh girl, <laughs>
0: it was lovely though. Magic.
1: I know you're welcome.
0: So, so he had studied and experimented experimented with the magical properties of sex and orgasm before this. I mean obviously he was obviously. he was experimenting a lot there for a while. <laughs> and we don't we, a lot. we don't know what he did in Mexico or India really because yeah. there aren't like birth records from it, but I assume he fathered let's say four hundred children.
1: Jesus. I'm just <laughs> holy I was,
0: fuck. I'm just gonna guess because I mean if if you're down there just studying the the magical properties of orgasm, how do you get there?
1: I just like saying the magical properties of orgasms. That's <laughs> I love it. I, I love it so much. I do love
0: that. But basically, the OTO introduced them to the concept of sex magic. This is actually mm-hmm. a thing they'd already kind of discussed and been practicing, I assume. With but each other?
1: Or, like, with other people?
0: So, not with each other. That was actually a big point of contention because homosexuality still was not cool in the OTO. Yeah. They, they weren't all right with that. Hmm. Um, So... Russ, the, the leader of the OTO, ends up having a stroke in 1920, and Crowley took over the whole thing at that point. Yeah. Like he does. He just, he's he's a manager in training all yeah. the time. And he ended up converting it fully to Thelemic philosophy. That was what he wanted all along, pretty much. So Thelemic sex magic is... One of the more noteworthy things that he was really a big part of, so we'll jump into that a little harder than most of what we've done here, anyway. Sex magic is really one of the things that he's most noteworthy for. So this, yes. this, the study of boning, and <laughs> and boning good, and boning hard, and boning until you're so tired that you see God. Wow. <laughs> And for that reason, I think I am Thelemic, actually. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to stop there for right now because we do have a lot of information about about the magic of of erections and stuff. Um, <laughs> so we'll jump into that next time because uh, it it gets just real weird, and there are there are elixirs made of fluids, and there are oh
1: yes, kind of there fluids? are so many. Jennifer, we have to wait. We have to wait a week, <laughs> and then we'll talk about it. Right. And we'll get him back to the sex Gosh, magic. Gosh, I have to wait a whole week, guys. I, I,
0: I just want you to think of the word elixir this week and just giggle.
1: Elixir of fluids. Yeah. I think
0: you already know what it is, but still. Ew. And just all kind. Of, I mean, just people just people boning everywhere, everywhere. all over, yep. different properties that he owns. It, it's it's some crazy stuff coming up in this next episode. She says so. that she
1: caresses the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the mic stand, guys.
0: Your microphone does kind of look like a robot penis. So. It does. A little oh. bit.
1: Yeah. Hmm. All right. Alright, cool. Well, guys, come back next week when we dive deep, deep, deep into Alistair Crowley's love of sex magic and all the things that that means. Super deep. Super deep. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything that you heard tonight or just generally how Shelby feels about, you know, Bonin, I guess, <laughs> uh, hit us up on Facebook or Instagram or you can always email us at queencitycreeps at gmail.com